You are now tuned in to the Bringing the Heat podcast. My name is Greg Katsky, and I am the producer of this podcast series. In this very special episode, I sit down with David Fleming, one of the founders of TRS Group and current director of PFOS programs at the company. David and I cover a wide range of topics, from the challenges of remediating PFOS to how our patented perfluorad technology removes these forever chemicals from AFFF fire suppression systems. If you have not already, I invite you to visit our AFFF and PFOS-specific website, AFFF.com. That's the letter A, the word triple spelled out, the letter F.com. And with that, let's get right to the interview. So what is your role in bringing the perfluorad technology to market? It has been first to facilitate relationship with primarily Martin Cornelson, you know, the inventor of the technology in Germany, to help get us to a point, um, working with others, it was a, it's a team, right, uh, to license complete the license agreement with Martin, which we did in 2021. I think we did it in August, completed that. Um, and then uh, even while we were doing that and continues to this day is to, you know, build the, the market uh, for perfluorate in the United States um, and North America um, for AFFF clean out, you know, fire for in fire suppression systems, as well as treating PFAS impacted water with perfluorid. Um, you know, I'm also continue to help the company uh, build the, our business on the thermal side too for PFAS and soil and, and other projects as well. I continue to do that. But most of my time is focused on building the market for the perfluorid technology in North America. Okay. And what is your vision for the technology in North America? You know, the, the way that we, we did this with our core business is a similar kind of a strategy, um, if you will. It's like a, um, a formula that worked for the thermal marketplace and kind of doing the same thing, which is to uh, establish a network of early adopters who believe in the technology, who want to validate it. And that's been for us, the Department of Defense, uh, municipal customers and consulting companies and airport um, airports. Uh, but it's, it's really to use the what dollars we can find, as, as we have done, in research and development in these different industries to validate the technology essentially establish a beachhead and then penetrate the market with, you know, our, our form of marketing and sales and trying to reach as many customers as we can using our, um, our customers as referrals. So early adopters, then build customer relationships, then ask for referrals and build from there. And really, I think, um, eventually we'll get to, a. A ten million dollar uh, revenue annual revenue business for perfluorad, and my vision is to achieve that in the next three to four years. That's great. Um, 
Do you see that happening with projects like the Connecticut Deep clean-out? Is that the idea? Yeah. Start with... Yeah. Definitely one of the industries, state municipal, because it's happening throughout the country. Connecticut just um, seems to be the first off the starting blocks where they've, you know, in, in e with the environmental industry, you need, I think, at least two elements have to come together, one of which is a regulatory framework, right? There has to be a some kind of a driver to ins inspire, encourage, force, whatever you want to call it, people to, to do the right thing. And, and you also have to have the, the finances, right? You got to have the money to pay for it. So that's, uh, Connecticut seems to be the first out of the blocks. They figured out a way to do this. Uh, you would think California would be right up there because they, I think they were ahead of Connecticut in coming out with a, a law, but there's many states that have laws on the books now in the United States. I think there might be at least a dozen of them that have essentially um, said you can no longer use these firefighting phones with PFAS in them. And then other, many other products too that have PFAS in them, you can't use them anymore. Well, problem is they haven't developed a framework or provided a framework to help people figure out, okay, what, what's the next step? How do I get rid of this stuff? And how do I clean up the mess it's created, you know? Sure. So I think that'll be the next way um, and Connecticut seems to be leading, leading that effort, at least from a state standpoint. You really don't know where the business is going to come from. You just have to keep turning over the rocks and, you know, having the perspective of keeping your focus and working with people, helping people, you know, really help them achieve their objectives. And in, in doing that, we achieve ours. That's the way I look at it. Okay. And people, people want to give you want to help you. If you help them, they're going to want to help you. And then they'll ultimately refer you to business that they're aware of, you know? So it's like you plant a seed and you never know where the fruit's going to come from. Yeah. You just got to keep planting the seeds. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's great. Um, okay. So how has TRS changed since you helped found the company in the year 2000? Um, well, many, many ways it has. Yeah. Of course, the, the, easy, the easy one is it's grown from just four people to nearly 70. And it's also grown from just providing services in the continental United States to, you know, Europe, Brazil, China, North America, we're in Canada now, we're in Alaska, you know, so um, that's, that's the easy way. But it's also expanded our technology portfolio, right? I mean, we started with one technology and it was at the time called six phase heating or electrical resistance heating. We, we branded the electrical resistance heating name the, the patents that were originally created had the six phase heating name of the technology, but we branded this um, electrical resistance heating. But since then we've, you know, we've um, added the thermal conduction heating, the steam enhanced extraction, the heat enhanced plume attenuation and perfluorate. So we've added four, you know, really standalone technologies to the portfolio of technology. So that's another way it's changed. And I do honestly believe that we're a family. It's like a family of, of the company as a family that 
and we treat each other that way and you know we seem to get along that way and it's i'm really thankful that that's the case yeah so you touched on all the different ways the company has changed how has your role at the company changed um let's see I guess to put it in a short response, I, I have been given more freedom to focus on my greatest value to the company and my highest interest, which is building a new technology division for the company, you know, Perfluorat and PFAS, focused on PFAS treatment. Um, so, that's how I would answer it. I, I have more freedom to do that and build relationships that lead to the growing business. And that's what I really love to do and I'm best at. And I have been given that, that gift, frankly. <laughs> yeah. I see it as a gift. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, um, it means a lot to have a company that allows you to be your best self, right? So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, what single thing have you been most proud of during your time at TRS? So that would be, what have you been most proud of since TRS was founded? I guess um, a couple of things. One, and the reason, one of the reasons I got into sales in this business to begin with was because I had a vision, still do, of being able to sell, be part of sales, um, where I interact in all the different disciplines that are part of this industry, you know, where you've got, you've got the marketing and sales, you've got the accounting, you've got the legal, you've got, um, you know, leadership, just all these different disciplines that I wanted to be part of. And I also believe that, um, sales can be done in a, in a transparent, honest way. And up till that point, you know, this is more than 20 years ago, I, um, I had a kind of a kind of a negative view of sales, salespeople, you know, and I, I related sure. it to um, a used car salesman. Yep. You know, we've all had these not so good experiences with used car salesmen, right? Where you're kind of forced into something that you really don't want to do. Yeah. Um, and I, I thought, you know, I, I know I can do this in a different way. And I, I want to, I want to be part of that. I want to actually build that and, and, you know, have my job be that. And so that's one of the things I'm proud of as well. Um, and just the, you know, building relationships. So it's not one single thing, right? As you can tell. <laughs> yeah. Well, that almost wasn't even fair considering it's, you know, been 20 years. Right. So, yeah. Well, another thing too, it's important to me, maybe this will get answered later too. I'm not sure, but it is to, uh, to help people to help, uh, in our case, to help our staff and customers achieve their goals and their objectives and 
and do it in a way that improves life on our planet and, and the environment. And, you know, that's always been a, uh, a strong uh, principle in my life since I've been in, you know, professional career type focus thing. Sure. Sure. Uh, that's a good reason to be in the environmental industry, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. What is the most satisfying aspect of your job? And that would be, I guess, of your uh, current job. I think it's one of the most satisfying is to um, support our staff in creating work-life balance and focusing on their highest value to the company and helping them create success in the company. Um, yeah, and I think that's the most satisfying. And honestly, that, that gets me out of bed in the morning, wanting to work with our staff and support them um, and, and support our customers to achieve what they're trying to achieve, you know? Yeah. And doing it in a way that's truthful, open, uh, transparent, um, and, you know, respecting each other. So, yeah. Not like a car, car salesman. Not like a car salesman. Yeah, that's right. I, I like your approach to sales. Um, yeah. Giving uh, salespeople a, a better, better rep. I hope so. Um, what attracted you to the environmental remediation field, um, initially? Well, let me think about that a bit. I, uh, one of the things looking back was growing up, spending time in the outdoors with my dad, fishing, hunting, mainly those two things. Um, and playing sports with my mom. My mom was into the sports other than fishing and hunting. Um, but my dad was a big into that and sure so I go with him in Virginia growing up every weekend during that the seasons you know go do that stuff yeah. and in some way along where along the line I got interested in, in the environment and um I worked in the mining industry in Colorado uh which is you know about as far away I guess from environmental health as <laughs> you can get <laughs> I was gonna say um <laughs> I mean, generating all this waste and, you know, people getting diseases and from working in the mines and stuff. So I, I did that for a short period of time, just for several months. But for some reason, I had to experience it, and I did. And then I realized I don't want to do that, you know. I want to work in something in the environment. So I got a job in the for the Forest Service. Okay. This is in Colorado. And... uh I did that for a couple of years, just building campgrounds and welding fire pits and fighting a couple of really small fires, building um, fences and cutting trees. Uh, and I, I just loved that. I just really got got into that. And after I did that, and, and there was still some construction work I did after that, but I realized, you know, you know, a guy that I met in Ireland when I went through a trip in Ireland with my wife and her family, he said, I, I taught my kids to either figure out if you want to use your brains or your brawn, <laughs> you know? And so I thought, well, that's exactly what I did. I decided I, I tried my brawn. It was fun at the time, made good money. But I thought there's something more to this. I want to try to use my brain. So when I 
went back to school after I failed the first year of college in North Carolina, okay. right out of high school. I um, waited five years, did these different jobs, and then went back and uh, met a guy in um, a Votex school program I was doing. And he was going to the Western Washington University. And he said, David, you should, once you get through here, go back to community college, get your grades up, go up into the university and take as much chemistry as you can stomach. Because <laughs> he said, if you do that, I guarantee you, you'll find work. <laughs> I said, all right. I'll do that. So I ended up going into the environmental program and having a focus on organic chemistry and studying wildlife toxicology. And yeah. I can remember looking back, people said, what, you're going to do that? Why? Why don't you go take, you know, computer science, become a computer programmer. You'll never find work in what you're doing. And I'm like, well, I'm just following my heart guys. I hopefully I'll put something together down the road. <laughs> yep. Yep. He said, because I don't really like computer programming that much. <laughs> I don't want to sit in front of, well, here I am, here we are in front of computers all the time, but at the time, you know, writing code and all that stuff. I mean, I tried a class in it and it wasn't that bad, but I'm like, eh, it's not really what I want to do. <laughs> no, I, I hear you. I hear you. Um, so last question here. Uh, what attracted you to the field of PFAS remediation specifically? Um, since you've kind of shifted um, from general environmental remediation? It really was um, the fact that how, how this PFAS, PFAS compounds are everywhere, right? Ubiquitous in everything, air, water, food, soil, you know, in our blood and animals around the world. And really how, how dangerous it appears to be um, with you know, effects in humans as well as wildlife. And the fact that it was an opportunity, it seemed like it doesn't come around that often where you've got a new, in our case, in our industry, a new contaminant that um, needs to be, you know, dealt with and hopefully cleaned up. So it was those things that really attracted me to it. But it, originally it was just the fact that it's, it's just so, so prevalent everywhere. And we've done such a, as a race, as a civilization, done such a mess you know, with this, these compounds that I wanted to do what I could for as long as I still have to make a positive impact and um, help hopefully clean it up. Sure, sure. Yeah, I had heard about PFAS um, when I was at the last company that I worked for. And I mean, when I found out about them, I said, well, why am I just hearing about like, you know, why is the, why isn't this in the news more? Right. It's like, yeah, it's kind yeah. of surprising considering, yeah, they're in everything, right? They're in our yep. water, they're in our soil, they're in us. Um, so, I mean, I, I think I haven't had my blood tested, but from what I hear and understand, we all have it in our, in our blood. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And what's the long-term impact of that? We don't really know. Yeah. And that's the scary thing, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's definitely a worthy cause. Um, so, cool. all right. Well, that's, uh, that's all I had. Did you have anything you wanted to add or that we left out? I don't think so. Thanks, Greg. I appreciate you doing this. It's yeah. a, a big, uh, service to the company. I think it makes a big difference. So, yeah.
No problem. Well, thanks for, thanks for talking to me. You're welcome. And that was my interview with David Fleming, Director of PFAS Programs at TRS Group. Again, if you haven't already, please visit our new AFFF and PFAS focused website, AFFF.com. That's the letter A, the word triple spelled out, the letter F.com. Our next podcast will focus on field results from our first AFFF fire equipment cleanout using perfluorat. Keep an eye out for that episode in February 2022.